<laughs> a little too much preaching. You are now locked into the Preacher Says podcast. We're here to free the real of the transitional struggles Christian women face. We will be better and do better. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Preacher's Sis Pod. How is everybody today? Good. Good, good, good. Um, well, this is the final um, part of our four-part series uh, to do with Black excellence. We're focusing on looking at Black men and women in um, the Christian scene. And they're also doing amazing things, um, not just within the body of Christ, but also just in general. They're just doing amazing. So we wanted to end really with, um, a, with a, a great man. But before we start, um, I'm going to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Abby Soye. I'm going to pass it over to whoever else wants to. I'm joking. Um, today you have Abby Soye. Myself, Kenya. And Rosalind. Every time. Um, and we have an amazing, amazing guest as well. Uh, ladies, who is going to introduce this wonderful guest today? I shall. So today we have the one, the only, Kojo Mafo. Um, so he's well known for, for owning and being the founder of this amazing company, which has been around for a very long time. Because I remember when I was, even when my husband was in university, he would talk about it a lot. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was a very, very long time ago. So it's more than what we, well, I, it seems as though my runway group has become a lot more than maybe what it initially started off to be. So we're very excited to hear about your journey. And, you know, hopefully your story will empower a multitude of Christians who also want to do well in the body of Christ and to bring glory to God's name through the work that God gives them to do. So before we get started with our, you know, our discussion about who you are, what you do and so on and so forth, I think we should go into a nice fiery um, question <laughs> section. So every guest that we have, we do a set of questions, no hesitation, just Throw back the answer so we can get to know you a bit more. So who's gonna do that? I think I'm gonna get. I'm gonna All do right, this. One. It's just to kind of ease you in into um, the conversation. So don't think about it too much. You just have to, and they're not hot. So yeah, you should. You should be alright. So okay. So first question: hot drink or cold drink? Cold drink. Okay. Wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait. First of all, you have to be There's quick some this, hesitation. So. You can't hesitate. Okay, okay. Right. <laughs> yeah? Okay, cool. Um, Old Testament and New Testament? New Testament. The last person you called? My friend, uh, Valerie. Slim, slim thick or slim? Thick. <laughs> <laughs> makeup or no makeup? Four Ks. Big. Wow, he's given us the footnotes. Yeah. Makeup or no makeup? Preferably no makeup. If you had a superpower, what would it be, and why? I want to know what people think. Okay. Ooh, you sure? Yeah. Try I feel like that's so time. that's so much pressure. No, oh. I, it's it's fine. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Okay, are you single? Hello? 
the question or are you gonna pause? I can't <laughs> No, no. <laughs> 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 Hello. <laughs> okay, moving on. Wigs or braids? Braids. Straight fit or skinny? So, as in trousers. Oh, straight fit. And the last one, top fruit of the spirit. Sorry? Top fruit of the spirit. Kindness. Yeah, kindness, one of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. You did, you did well. Oh, thank you. you. Well. Well. No, you, 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 you didn't want to do the controversial one, so you have to keep it PG. Apart from the internet not being stable, wasn't as bad as I thought. Can you imagine? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for doing that. Um, and then to get you into our preachers' mood, usually what we do is that we, well, the premise of the whole podcast is to encourage people through um, their struggles, so their ups and downs in their faith. So we try mm-hmm. to, um, at the beginning of every episode, talk about maybe like a transitional struggle. It could be that, you know, I used to struggle with this before, now I'm in a better place, or I'm making progress with it, or I'm not making any progress with it. So um, we thought it's also right to um, indulge our guests into this as well. So um, would you like to share maybe a transitional struggle, something that is recent, is not recent, that um, you feel like you're, you're making somewhat of a progress with all you're dealing with? Um, I think um, in the area of faith, um, I was born and raised in Ghana till I was 18. Then I joined my family here. And then I just got mm, like a cultural shock because in Ghana it was like amazing private school, great life. And I'm thinking England or London is gonna be three times amplified, house helps, maids, chauffeur driven. It wasn't that, but I kind of seen like the jobs my parents did to kind of fund my lifestyle in Ghana. And um, just thought I could now start doing a lot more. But even though I was faced with a lot of like um, difficulties then, it birthed a new, desire to have more faith in God to kind of take me through every step of it. So I think the more I've like started to trust in God, the more I've realized that I don't worry as much as I used to. Like I literally, I know it's like sounds cliche, but I literally have no worries. Like I've just seen things happen so many times and God has always come through at the end of it. Like I literally just have to wait till his time for him to come through. And it's just that. So my transition of that being I've had to go through a lot of different types of moments in life that was like I thought was like the biggest thing and I think one one of the youth camps that we went to one of the revelations that I had was that no big deal lasts forever Mm. and even using that to reminisce um, in terms of like things I've gone through personal life relationship university finance I just realized that you know what what whatever I thought was a big deal at one point It, I look back at it and probably just laugh, like, why was I even worried at that time, you know, at that moment? So I think all that, that my own personal experience has kind of um, made me a better person in terms of having more faith and trust in God. I don't know if that's a, a good a, a answer to no, it. No, 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 that's spot on. And I, I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, a lot of the times, 
sometimes you have to go through the the ups and downs and yeah, yeah, life to then try and get that hope from a, uh, a bigger source and not so much yeah. like people or what we will put in our, our hopes in or whatever but yeah. um, just a high power which is god so yeah um thanks for sharing nice wow. so I, I feel like i feel like i i know you already but i feel like i know a bit more about you now but, <laughs> <laughs> but um nah. i hope you're feeling more comfortable and um today yeah we just want to um just find out how your journey has been um particularly you're doing amazing for not just um community in general but the black community um so uh, I don't I don't want to go into it I feel like this is like this is your moment to share it but you're doing something amazing and you just it, it's, it's an honor for you for us to have you on here to just share what you're doing encourage other Christians sometimes you don't have to be of the world to do something right. that the world will admire um and so yeah could you tell us a bit more about my runway what you're doing now black um in Carn black in Carnaby or black yeah. black in Carnaby Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, sure. So my run with group started seven years ago, um, in, whilst I was a student in Coventry University. So a friend of mine, Daryl, he was very keen on having a fashion show for his sister, because his sister mm -hmm. had like a fashion brand. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, we can put something together and have like a fashion show. But that wasn't like my, that wasn't my first fashion show. So I used to do like creative events, like comedy shows and fashion shows and whatnot. And I thought, Oh, just be another boring fashion show and if people don't like your sister's brand then what you know what if she doesn't even show up and it's just whatever it's, there was nothing cool about it like doing another fashion show so then I used to be housemates with another girl called Sinead um, from Warwick Sinead Bounfo and then she thought you know what this can be very theatric it can be we can add extra stuff to it and we didn't know what we we're trying to do but we just thought we had like been like four days to try to put something together and then I think because I've I already had like attraction of doing events and being in ACS at one point people kind of like trusted me to put out something of a certain standard but mind you everyone that came to the first show had no clue what they were coming to but we managed to sell out and that model was literally to give um, opportunities to creatives that are students so then people that wanted to help out um, that were like makeup artists or you know um, creative directors or event producers or whatever or photographers models designers we can literally be able to support them or give them an opportunity to showcase their work or talent in general so that case study was literally just for students in Coventry and then a little bit of Warwick in there you know so you have to always add the bougie to the <laughs> I cannot right so um that went very well like I said we had like almost like 400 people in a 350 capacity. People were standing outside. It, it was like, what is this that we've started? This sounds really cool. Or it seems really cool. So we scaled, scaled it up to um, a community thing just so we can give more people the opportunity. Um, you don't have to be a student in Coventry. If you're creative and you're young, you can literally be a part of like team or cast or production. Um, and then that also went very well in Belgrade Field. So I think we had about 700 people. Um, so nice. um, after that, thank you, we scaled up to a regional theatre production, which was the first time like there was any sort of production that involved 
young people from like Leicester, Birmingham, Coventry, all working on like the very like the same thing at the same time. Um, that really went well as well. So we had um, Albany Theatre that sold out way behind this time. Um, and then at that moment, I just felt like we've got to like the ceilings of what we're trying to do here because you can't it can't go any bigger than regions because you've done a bit of like West Midlands, East Midlands, all around the same production. And I was moving to London anyway, so I thought what better way to kind of introduce it to a new market or audience, even though a lot of people that have been through it, um, that the three years of being in Coventry or the Midlands, where pretty much um, majority of them were from London anyways. So in my mind, you know, they, a lot of people already know about it. They just couldn't come down to Midlands for it. So we did O2, um, again, had a good number of people, I think like a thousand, a little over a thousand. And then we done Copper Box Arena and then we went back to do the O2 um, Indigo again. And that has been like our flagship event that a lot of people know us for. But I used to get on my nerves just because like, Oh, when is your next fashion show? I said, yo, do you know how much time that goes into to doing that crave production that you keep calling a fashion show? But that's <laughs> all they could say. And I think our name wasn't really helping. Like, my runway sounds like a fashion show anyway. So there's nothing you can do to convince a lot of majority black people that it's not a fashion show. It's like a crave production. But in between all of that and moving into London, just found out that there's some sort of business model to it because people were saying, oh, can you sign up a reference for me? And then other people will say, can I use your name or whatever, my runway group has a reference. I'm like, are you sure you're going to get a job off that? Like, it's, it's not that deep to me anyways. And then uh, a lot of people are coming back to say, thank you, I got the job. Oh, my manager is going to call you. And then I thought, oh, there is something here in terms of like youth development and whatnot. And people were starting like companies and platforms based on portfolios that they had, um, content that they used to build theirs online. And I thought, you know what, well, let's have like a proper business model where one side of the business focus on like youth development and then another side focus on like creative production. And for some weird reason, every, every show we've had, even from the very first one, we've always given a part of it to charity or even given um, an opportunity for a charity to showcase itself. So we just thought there was always like a community engagement and charity initiative arm here. So, so at the moment, to just cut everything short, we do have like a full, like four arm operation system where we have the Crave Up um, projects. And then we have our community initiatives. Then we have like our youth development and then we have our in-house creative agency called the Runners that does things for third party people. So in a nutshell, something that literally started off as like a fashion show, turned into some sort of like a movement in the region, then scaled up into like a platform. And then currently we are a youth empowerment organization that focuses on giving opportunities to underrepresented creatives nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's what led us to having uh, a concept store in Carnaby to again, give visibility to black owned businesses that will never probably get the opportunity to be in a place like this. Sorry about my tech talk, man. You should have never asked me that question. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. You've done yeah. so much. Like, yeah. in a short space of time, it's been seven years, but you've gone from, like you said, a fashion show into this four-armed business. Right. By your, it's just more than just, oh, getting more creators out there. It's community. Mm. It's helping Black people. It's showcasing this. And it's, it's yeah. actually really, really um, amazing. To, to hear your story um quick question 
when you came to England at 18, you went to Coventry University. What exactly were you studying at university? I, I didn't go to Coventry University. Oh, you were just in Coventry itself? No, I, how do you mean? Oh, because you were saying, because you were talking about Coventry. Oh, you also. Oh, so, so when I turned 18, ah. I my family, but I didn't go straight to university. Oh, fair I enough. I went to Barnet College. Yeah. To study physics, maths, and ICT. Okay. That's because in African parents, oh, you did science in secondary schools. Yeah. The same thing. I said, ah, cool. But if it was Martin ICT, then I went Coventry to do aerospace engineering for four years. Right. Aerospace. Wow. Well, just because I wanted to be a pilot. Then there is this lecturer, I forgot his name. I'm happy I don't remember his name, but he gave me a bad advice in college that if you want to be a pilot, do like aerospace engineering, aeronautic science or aviation management. He didn't know what he was talking about. But it's only till I'd done like my second year in Coventry, then that you can choose like an advantage model. So yeah. I chose um, PPO, the private pilot license. And like what's cool is like something I always wanted to do. So I passed it, but everyone in my class was much older. And I used to wonder why, like, you know, I'm like the youngest person. And even though I was older than everyone in my class, like that particular model, everyone was just, because we used to do at Coventry Airport. And everyone was like, not literally like a main, like a student student. And I was wondering, I was asking questions and they were saying, oh, it's because that it's a career changing job for a lot of people. So they've done what they want to do. And then now they're coming back to retire as a pilot. But I think I needed to hear that because at, at that time I started doing creative events and I loved it. So I thought, oh, I can really do this. And if I ever wanted to come back and retire as a pilot, I can do that. Or God willing, I might be able to own an airline. Who knows? At least- Oh, powerful. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I wanted to ask you um, about the community, um, especially during your journey um, as an entrepreneur, as a philanthropist. Like the people that we've chosen to speak to have all in some way that they, they are contributing to the com- the black community, whether it be within you know the Christian black community or just black, black creatives. How did you find um, the community supporting you during like this journey that you've you've gone through? With mine or ours, it's been very organic. Because um, university but much more like a bubble the way i see it very experimental is the only place that you get all your friends you get all your friends to um support your business check your product out or come to your events or your raves or whatever you're doing without a lot of pressure just because they're just local or accessible or in the same halls with you so I did um, a year of like ACS, like a lot of people did. And I think our year was like really, really good. So people just kept asking, um, do you want to do it again? Or what's next for you? So when I started like an event organization or a company off the back of that, it was more of like, I still kind of had people that were already invested in some of the events that I've done previously. And then they just kept going from like doing a bit of raves to do comedy shows, to starting my runway and, I think it's just organically formed a tribe of people that kind of put a certain level of standard to something that I do already. So then even with that coming to London, majority of the people that came to the show, people that had already gone to uni in Midlands or had or knew people that went to the shows that we did and then just thought it was a good idea or opportunity for them to now come and 
experience it in London. So we pretty much had never never had like a marketing budget, no PR in our corner, nothing. Literally word of mouth and a bit of our social media and still managed to get like over a thousand people in a London venue for our first time. And I think it's literally just because we've we have like a tribe of people that have seen us grow, you know, if like my runway group was a student, they did like three years in Coventry and graduated basically. You know, internship at Goldman Sachs or something. <laughs> and then now people have just seen it grow to wherever it is. So I think it's just been that very organic um, attachment to the brand because you either know someone that has been a part of it or like us in a team or a model or a designer, or you just have heard about, you know, what we have done over the period and you just feel naturally connected to it. Yes. So, um, with how it's evolved over time, how at each point, how did you know that, okay, this is, this is the right time to, to hold another passion show. This is the right time to get people involved. Like what, I guess, um, ultimately, how did God lead you into navigating the, the milestones in how, in where you are now with my yeah. Now, good question. Um, you know how they say like people are blessed, yeah. But when it comes to team, I feel like I'm blessed like properly. Because every time I look back, I think God has always brought the right people at the right time. Mm. I used to be very free world, like, yo, at one point our team was like a hundred and something for the third commentary show. We had so many people that wanted to be photographers, model coordinators, da 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 da. da. And the total team list where it was like over a hundred people. And it used to be a gift and a, and a curse because some people are just in it because they can say they're part of it and not really delivering. But in terms of like very core team, like the very, the people that are very close to me, like um, like a creative director or like head of this and head of events or whatever it is, there's always been like three to five very, very influential people that I've had around me at different times that have helped shape the direction of what my runway group is today. So I can never fully take the credit. Fair enough, like most of the vision and the ideas and the concepts and the campaigns, I had it and I come up with it, but I could have never done most of the things that we've done by myself or handpicking team. It's mm. just so organic how people just become a, like a part of what my runway group is like. Yeah. For example, is I used to like live with Sinead. If I, if I didn't see her brand cross a random trip with my mate I'll never become a housemate and the the idea of having a creative fashion show creative production might never have come up you know because mm. when I've never had that type of conversation um, the, um different people like Shan Shanice she was creative director at one point when Shanice um, was not able to carry on and again she bought something very different she was not a London actual from Birmingham and literally just had a different aura in terms of experience and energy. Like the girls that do vamp now, Christina, yeah. Rumbi and Ruby, they literally started doing PR for us. Like their very first time doing any sort of PR for like two years, very dedicated with their work, getting brands involved, all of that kind of stuff. And then obviously they started vamp from the back of that. So it's just, um, and it, all up to now, like Frida, Ashley, they like co-directors. And I just, I met Ashley when I was speaking at one backlist event and 
And after that, it's like, oh, if you need an accountant, let me know. Uh, bro, I need some and we just had like a very good oral conversation and I could probably say that with a couple of people Joe you know there's been a lot of like pivotal influential people that have hold or held um, roles even George um, are different like point max in our uh, projection as, as, mm -hmm. as, as an organization that I fully believe that they were brought in either for a season or to literally do something and do it very well. Mm -hmm. um, most of them are still not like with my runway group, but it just got they had to either go and start their own thing or focus on something that had now become more of like a priority in their life. Mm -hmm. But when they had their positions, when they had their roles, it was literally God sent because like, I can't even go into detail some of the sacrifices that other people you know, had given to my runway group just to make it what it is. And I don't think it's anything to do with their connection to me. I think it's more about God giving them the strength to carry that position and do it very well, just because of like the long-term goal that he has for the organization. Yeah, wow. I tap into it. I need more, <laughs> more people like that around me. Um, so through it all, clearly God has been, has favoured you well, well, like, the blessing uh, like it's a lot of blessings right so but how or well the, the better question is has there been um any lows or like any challenges mm -hmm. that or has yeah. there been plenty so tell us maybe about um some challenges you've had to dealt with that you had to deal with and um how did you overcome them I don't know if I'll overcome some of them. They're <laughs> <laughs> still working on them. But I, I don't even see them as lows. I just felt like I needed those pitfalls at that, or those moments. It didn't look like that. I just felt like the world was crushing. But looking back, I needed that to, to feel comfortable now that mm -hmm. if anything comes my way, it's, it's whatever. Like I know how this turns out. I just know so much, so many scenarios so well that it doesn't bother me, you know, like in the areas of friendship, there were people that like didn't want to speak to me again, you know, just because either they had something or they assumed something or they had a perception about something. Like I'll give you a clear example, like it's in the past now, I can talk about same things. Like when we did O2, right? People had no idea. So the ticket sales were not moving like how, um, what do you call it? Um, the university times were because you know uni you can sell out people buy tickets good yeah london they wait till like the week yes you <laughs> want their money all of that kind of stuff so ticket sales not going very well but i understand daryl now like as a business it didn't make sense to him so he's like oh i need to go like this is not working type of thing they were just left with me to like take on like a massive i think they charged us like twenty thousand dry hire like they did us dirty. Like we paid less two years after, imagine. Oh, um, mm. they, they didn't want to have us. But I just thought to come London, just have to make a statement, right? Mm. So in terms of like friendship, I fell out with like different people of like finance even. And then other people see stuff like O2 or they're in their mind, you got money. You, you paid the O2, you got this, you got that. So the show looks like, either water in a champagne bottle 
to outsiders or champagne bottle in a water bottle to insiders and you're caught up in the middle trying to explain yourself and then when ticket sales don't even scratch half of venue you got yourself to blame because you have all this insurance cost and prs that you didn't even know about you have to pay 10 percent of this and the venue charges you xyz if you film i literally have no clue about these things so it was like a massive loss financially like my first time i'm going into full debt like over yeah five figures debt like about seventeen thousand ish by myself I, I literally was like yo where is this coming from right but then again all throughout that i was dealing with people that were saying oh about a thousand people came if you did the maths and everyone paid 20 pounds mm -hmm. That means Kojo made about 20,000 mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to pay people. And I wish people were like more forward to have conversations about how we did. It was mm -hmm. more here and hearsay and oh, we have thousand people in the building times 20 is this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guest list is all free. Every team member had like class four, five tickets were flying out that weren't accounted for. You know, a lot of those kind of stuff, right? But mm -hmm. I just felt when things that were easier in uni, but when we got into the, the real life, I didn't have the support that I felt I needed, you know, and then when, even on the back of that, I still went on to do like another show. And then there we got hit with racism from like a venue manager. I, that I still want to do a documentary about one day. I just don't have the energy for that guy yet, right? <laughs> he literally said stuff like, if you had more than 500 people in this space, I'll make sure I get dogs and police to kick you and your people out. And this is someone that we pay like 16,000 for a dry hire. He promised us X, Y, Z, didn't deliver. Then he said he had a security meeting and he can only have 500 of my people in the space. When we've already sold like a thousand tickets, that was the year that we're gonna make enough money to pay for the debt from last year, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And we literally had to beg him to, to have a thousand people in the space and refund people, announce that we don't have any spaces left, you know, um, wow. and I'm just staring at another debt for another second year in a row, just a lot of money just going down the drain. Then internally you have to deal with people that are saying stuff like, oh, you booked this artist, that means you're spending so much money, or oh, this space is so big, how are we gonna fill it? And oh, the models need to eat, um, are you covering the expenses? Yo, and I'm like, I'm one person, but... No, that's a lot. Look, every summer I used to lose weight. Then winter I gain it. Then summer I, I lose weight. Because that show used to drain me, like, a lot. And then it was just a lot of stuff that you have to deal with, with people saying X, Y, Z. Like, I'm so used to it now anyway, so it's fine. But back then, I didn't really know how to deal with because I'm like, I will cry in my room, literally. I'll pray, I'll cry. Like, it didn't make sense to me. Like, the day before, like, the Copper Box show, the, the event was cancelled. The guy literally emailed to say, don't let Kojo and his people in. And literally because he hadn't received a production plan from our production company. And the production company is like, These, there's someone here that doesn't want you to work, um, doesn't want your show to come on. Because they have a software that they can tell who's opened a file and who's not. Like, they've opened a file at this time, um, on this day, so they've had the production floor, floor plan, they have it. But that's what saved us. And I literally screen matched that email, sent it over to them to say, they've 
they, they can tell on their side that you've opened it by mm. this person, the IP address, whatever. And then they came back to change a few things around to say, oh, the person that opened it was an intern and he didn't pass information. So you're literally going to cancel the whole show, yeah, off the back of that. Like the, there were so many stumbling blocks, yeah, that, and you couldn't share all of these things with what you call it, entire team. Mm. But in people's heads, their mind is like, oh, you're moving, you're doing this, X, Y, Z. And I didn't know how to deal with that a lot, you know. So people were just having a fun time running stories and rumors and hearsay, even in team, you know. And then friction between you and people or team members that, you, like, after the show, you don't even get along with, well, like, it's just a lot of, just a lot of headache and like, emotional drain when it comes to, I understand everyone is, like, emotionally invested but people didn't deal with it that the more matured way if that makes sense and then in terms of like just everyone being on the same page it's a tough one because i remember even like the copper box one in the morning there was like so much friction whatever i called everyone else to pray yeah then i just started praying in tongues i just started crying and there's like 50 people in the room yeah then this person start crying, that person start crying, that person start crying. This is like people speaking in tongues, they're just crying. I didn't even know some of these people were Christians. So mm -hmm. in my mind, yeah, like God is in the room with us. We're all unified and it's all going well. Then a couple hours down the lane, like the same people turn around to just act weird and funny. And I remember when everyone I left to go to like after party, it was just literally me, I think someone else, or my brother or Zion or Daniel from my church. Like literally sitting there in that math safe arena, I was thinking to myself, was like, was all this even worth it? Like mm -hmm. I'm staring at another year of debt here in my face, just because someone's racist, people not pulling their weight with ticket sales, everyone's assuming it's gonna sell or do well. We've now had to cancel tickets, refund people. Like, is this even worth it? Like I kept questioning myself what my mom used to say, like, who sent you? Like, all the time, right? Like, I literally... I feel like I'm translating, translating that in chi in my head. in chi. You said, literally, it's a kahana small. Like, like, why small? Why small? Yeah. Like, it was almost like every day there's no money in it, but you just kept, you just want to keep going. You know, mm. and it's the same, it, was, it had been the same story. And literally, the reason why I... I, I stop the show that's because i was tired honestly mm. and i just feel like other people just the world needs to see us differently as well because like the youth development was doing well we're doing like um industry nights try to build like theater all of that kind of stuff and i just used to get a lot more from that in terms of like um, people being grateful and people taking it a bit more serious and having more social impact on the youth development side of things as opposed to the huge production that I honestly think it was a little bit ahead of its time. Like as a team, maybe we weren't too ready for what these kind of things all come mm. with, you know, but don't let me bore you with my long talk. Uh, well, I'm not bored. I'm yawning. Curious T, we're getting to know, because obviously when you see a event happening, I'm, I'm, I've never, personally been to your events but I've been to other events and it's like you do think that wow this person has got everything covered they've yeah. made a serious profit out, out of this yeah. and you know but there's so much more to it and I know that you said that you made a decision to turn around and look at other aspects or to, to 
spend more time at other aspects of your company. But how did you in those moments, especially after the first O2 event in London, how did you then, or what motivated you to still do another one? What made, what made you I not stop? <laughs> I, I literally don't know. I think to me, and I think I've said this before about like my paycheck uh, become non-financial. I had come to a point where I've accepted that this one doesn't pay in money. It pays in people saying thank you or people's mothers emailing to say, first time I've seen my daughter or son Aww. be productive of their life or people say, coach, you're well done or the team did well or maybe I show where people feel like they can throw you up the air. Those are the moments that I've I used to think were the paychecks, right? Not, because up to now, the sh we did like six shows. So maybe the first one, there's a lot of like change in terms of like a couple hundred pounds that we made. The second one, huge loss, big loss. Third one, I think we made like a, like a thousand or something on top and then we split and I probably got, I got like a hundred or two hundred pounds, yeah. Everyone I've done in, U, uh, in London in terms of like O2, copper box, back to O2 again, never made any money from it. Not even a pound of it at all, zero. But it's built a kind of like social capital in terms of what the value of the whole organization mm. is. And looking back, some way, somehow it was worth it. But I always thought the next show will pay for everything I've lost. Mm. Then the loss is like way more. I'm like, you know what? This is like the next show that's going to pay for everything. Like the Copper Box one, we have sold a thousand ticket and it's like two weeks to go. Like that never happens in London. So we're going to kill it. But someone had to be racist and literally say, you can't have this da 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 da. And then back to square one again, you're looking at depth. So, it was very draining. Like, I honestly don't know where the strength came from. But like I said, God brought the right people in at the right time to make it feel like it's worth it again to give you another try. And I think the pressure that you get from social media is just annoying. Like, a lot of people just want to model for the sake of it. They don't want to be models, you know. They just want to be on stage. They start asking you, when is the next show? When is the next show? Oh, my God, when is the next show? Da, 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 da. And then in your mind... It's your calling to do it. That's bad motivation, by the way. But if, <laughs> they're just looking out for themselves. So you want to say, have you looked into finding like funding or I found this funding here, you know, or stuff like that. It's more like, when is the next show? When is the next show? And I just thought I had like this social responsibility to deliver. I mm. never could see myself have a summer without the show. Yeah. And it's only until I started listening a bit to like a clearer voice of God to like relax or chill or be still and then look into other areas is when I started yeah. seeing a bit of like profit or for my runway group until we cleared our debt basically. So mm -hmm. I would say a bit of resilience in me to just keep going, hoping for a better turnaround and a bit of people reminding me what, what it means to them. Um, I think those two play the role. So more God's gift of resilience, if that works, and more people's reminder of like, yo, yo, we need to keep going. And I, I think those two kind of mixed up to make 
know yeah. these shows happen. So even though you, you know, you experienced a multitude of lows and challenges, and of course you've had multiple peaks as well, what has been the greatest lesson you've taken away from the My Runway Group experience? What's the greatest lesson? I think not to take anything too seriously, you know, and then it goes back to that reminder about no big deal lasts forever, man. Like, even if it's a peak or a low, nothing lasts forever. And because I've had to go through and really experience it. And then um, I'm grateful that I was being put in a position to kind of like um, deliver this experience. And then I've also learned just so much in terms of dealing with people, perceptions, um, friendship, loyalty, finance, relationships, relationships, what did I say? Relationships. You, know. <laughs> you don't uh, know about, but anyway. No, no, you're about one of them. Um, <laughs> like my only like long-term one, I think. And she got tired, like she was like project manager, she always like um, supported, played the role. I literally like in my corner for like five years, like kept pushing. But honest truth is she just got tired. Like I remember one time she was like, I don't think we should do the show this year. Like why would you even say that? I hadn't heard the voice yet. I was like, now nah, we're going again. Literally she was just tired, you know, and most of like her finance and emotional support and whatever was invested into a man and then a show that just didn't bring anything back to her so like i could probably even say i lost her through that you know like lost a relationship with someone that at one point you thought you're gonna marry great person but she just was tired i'll just be honest with you you know um what the question again so i just go off tangent after <laughs> Um, what was your greatest le- uh, greatest lesson? I've, you said a multitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've answered it. I've, it's answered not it. Yeah, you've answered it. Um, oh. What's it called? So um, I was wondering if you... So if you had to basically advise um, our listeners that are looking at um, building some sort of brand, right? And it's like, it's, it's a real journey to actually um, establishing yourself. And there, there are so many moving parts, especially the human capital part of it. And you, you said um, something about you, you kind of came to realize realization that you know some people come for seasons, and so you, not everyone is going to be there all the time, right? So, what would your advice be for somebody that is you know started trying to start something, find the right people, but also be okay with you know this person's come, they've gone like. It can affect friendships or that like the difficulties how do you what would you say say to somebody that that's maybe trying to be okay with that part of the journey um i think there's like a bible story that should probably get told a lot more in the creative circles it's got to do with nehemiah um being asked to rebuild jerusalem and it's probably like a couple of chapters it's not that long but there is so much to learn from that particular um, story and I just kept, I just keep reading it these days just to remind myself because he obviously had a little bit of doubt in rebuilding Jerusalem it was just completely ruined and where is the help going to come from it didn't make sense to him like how are we going to rebuild this whole uh, 
great seed that has been completely ruined and stuff like that. And then literally when he just made the first effort or starts to um, put certain things together and just start having conversations, even with certain tribes and all of that, then this family said they would take care of the of the gate. This family said they would take care of the walls. This family said they would take care of putting together all like the rooms and putting it away. This family said they will they will feed everyone that comes on board. And even though it was like what's the guy's name, Shambalat and whoever were plotting against them and you know, whatever it is, yeah, they literally had their full trust in God that this will work because they believed or he believed it had come from God for him to mm. deliver. And this is the disconnect between a lot of creatives and where the ideas or source comes from. Once you just start to surrender that this, this thing that is going to make me famous, make me a millionaire, make me Gandhi, make me like this champion, make me whatever, yeah, comes from God, like the almighty creative, then you just know that he's literally going to put the right people in your way to make it work. Like there's nothing that he sent here that has returned to him void. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't like own it and align yourself with him to, to deliver you through, or it's, it's not even more about you. It's about what that thing is going to do. So like a lot of people's destinies are tied into my runway throughout the seven years. So it's got nothing to do with me. There might be some amount of blessings or favor because I'm carrying it, but it's bigger than me, you know, or even the group itself. It's, it's the impact of what it's going to do for people. It's what is going to spark businesses. It's going to bring families together, you know, and I've seen that happen so many times. So you just need to understand that one, you've been carefully chosen to deliver something, right? Mm -hmm. You're not a genius because you fall by it. You're a genius because you've been chosen to um, deliver it. And that brings some level of humility to you. Like, I'll never walk around to say, I did this venue, I had this many people, or I got this funding, I got da da da. Because I've just now come to understand where these things come from, and they're meant to aid you into your your goal or the journey and then everyone else's destiny is tied on to it that comes with like a huge responsibility that means if you start making mistakes if you start doubting if you start moving as if this is yours then you end up like peter when you thought you could walk on the sea like it's all me now and then you can drown but mm -hmm. literally when he started focusing on where his help was coming from he didn't, he's not going to drown anymore but even if he was supposed to drown at least he knows god will deliver him so mm -hmm. i think Every creative, especially every Christian creative, should literally try and set themselves apart, one, by firstly understanding that you've been carefully chosen to do God's work, and then two, a lot of people's destinies are tied into your purpose and what you're delivering, and three, it's, it's going to happen regardless. You just have to count yourself lucky that you're part of the program or the design, and then now pray to God more for clarity of how to get about it. I, might, I, I think I probably could have got to where I am now in like three years, possibly. Made some very bad decisions, got involved with a lot of like external stuff maybe, or trusting some people too much, or listening to my selfish or flesh desires at one point a bit too much. It made the journey seven years, who knows? Maybe it's all part of the plan. 
at the end of the day, as long as you always keep reverting back to where the source is or who the source is, like his grace is ever more sufficient to like just keep us going. So no matter like, and this is for anyone else, right? I might be going off, but no matter what either people say or what it looks like to the outside public or the whatever, right? As long as you just know, you just have to start believing something in you that this thing that I've been given is for like a purpose or a long-term goal. Nothing anyone says, yeah? It's good to take advice, but nothing anyone says, especially if it's contradictory to what your spirit is, should matter to you. The earlier you grab onto that, yeah, you literally start focusing on, like Peter focusing on Jesus. That That is what is going to happen to you in, the, in your next phase. But another thing is a lot of us as creatives, we forget, and then it comes with like spirit of pride, likes and comments get you thinking you're the guy, you're mm -hmm. trending, you know, you're viral. All of those things are, it's a reminder of what the thing is. It's not the thing. Like, mm -hmm. imagine if, the reminder. Joseph, right, imagine if Joseph slept with Potiphar's wife, right? Yo, Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's house is no joke. That guy's like a ruler. It's definitely like a castle. He must have had chauffeur driven, all of that, nice maids, like all of that. He was looking after all of these things. You, he can start thinking he has arrived. This is it. This is what God wants me to do. This is it. Mm. It doesn't get any higher, especially as an immigrant from um, uh, you know, wherever, Israel, where I forgot where Jacob, um, Joseph originally from, right? Or as a Hebrew, he, he literally trusted God that there was always a step higher of where he really wanted to go. And even though he went through jail before he went back into the king's house, look where he ended just because he never made it about him. He never got mm. proud. He never thought, I have arrived. This is me. This is you know, all of that. And I think a lot of people, small likes, small comments, small funding, small newspaper feature or small list they put you on top and then you're the guy. It's, it's, it's important to appreciate these moments as you go, but yeah. there is so much that little thing he's put in you is going to manifest if you just allow him to lead as opposed mm -hmm. to you thinking you've got this. I don't know if I'm making sense or I'm just talking. Making so much sense. Yeah. Uh, that that um, this one wasn't even hit the nail. Is it hit yeah. hammer? Uh, the hammer, hammer. On the... <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that so much. Um, oh, wise words. Um, yes, yes. I felt that. I felt that. I felt thank that. Um, I really like the bit that you said that all those those the like the peaks are reminders. They, it, it's not that. It's not that the thing. You know. Um, yeah so okay so in the spirit of excellence um i think this is like a, a good segue to maybe round up the um the interview or the session um is how does um how does christians bring in um, i don't am i saying this right how that how does how do you how do you, I can say, grammatically it's incorrect. How do you, you can say key if you want, you know, you can say it's all pressure. <laughs> tell, I'm not from here, so sometimes it's like, my <laughs> mind needs to register the right English. Um, how do Christians um, bring in excellence to what they do look like to you? 
Um, I think it's excellence is a spirit. Like in Daniel, they keeps keeps mentioning the spirit of excellence. Mm. So I think you should you should reload that one. Reload it. Reload it and it, reload it and increase it. <laughs> increase the volume. Oh yeah, clearly. But I honestly do think excellence is a spirit, and we carry that by default by being saved and being Christians. It's in us. Um, it's just a matter of us allowing it to manifest um, in mm. every single thing that we do. It's mm. not like discipline or it's not human or it's, I don't see it. It's, it's inherent in us as being children of God, period. And then we just have to allow it to manifest in every single thing that we do. But one thing I also live by is the fact that um, mediocrity is a sin. Like, I feel like there is no way any Christian should be comfortable with settling, producing an event or a concept or an idea that is like substandard. Um, I think you cheapen the kingdom of God, you sell it so mm -hmm. cheap, you, you don't fully understand the weight and value of what it is that is in you first. Mm -hmm. And I think that that desire to attain a same level of excellence is what shows in every single thing that you do. That quick thing, like I would, we always used to charge 20 pounds, 15 pounds for our shows, even when like other people were charging 30, 35 for like similar shows or whatever, right? But I just always make sure that we put so much work into every single thing that we do. Like, even if it's like a masterclass or whatever it is, it's never a quick turnaround thing. There's a lot of like detail that goes into everything that we kind of put our hands to. Mm. And I think that is just you allowing that spirit of excellence to just show in everything. Because especially when people are paying for stuff, right? They are leaving a bit of their sales with you and trusting you to provide them with something in a country that is so difficult to earn. And mm. they, and even if they don't pay for it, there's still an exchange of trust. Like I'm coming to this space to either get motivated, to either buy, to either listen. You know, once you understand why you do events, it changes how you produce them. Like, yeah. Even here in Carnaby, I know people are going to walk in and not um, buy anything, right? Like on the stairs, as you walk up from like the um, lower floor, the basement, I literally had to put um, verses or inspirational things about black is beautiful, life gets better, all of that kind of things that even if this person, I don't know what they're going through, but them walking through the door is an exchange of trust that I'm going in there hopefully to see something or, or get motivated or get excited or change my idea about black people or black excellence or whatever we call it. So I know that I when I have people want in my space or if I get people's attention, it's my way of sharing my gospel or ministry with them. Like even up to the fact that we have frames of people creatives that we think the world should know about we didn't have to put their pictures up there however a young person can um walk past or 
go down the stairs, see Eddie Caddy, see um, Ron Rotimi, who is like a sick architecture photographer that I think people just should know about, or see um, Nana Pokes that started composers, you know, stuff like that, just to start conversation and just make them feel inspired. So that is where I feel like the spirit of excellence is in details and it's in you being intentional with understanding your ministry and making people making it accessible to people like mm-hmm. i know this is a store i also know that people are going to walk in it's my attention so sometimes we have kirk franklin on repeat on our playlist because i don't know what who's going through what you know and i think that's something that we've had to apply for to every little thing that we've done then and then i hope i can share that with other creators for them to understand that it's, it's, a, it's a ministry it's really like there is a Bible verse that I forgot, but it talks about, it describes God's position as like equicenter, yeah? And then there is, ah, oh, the names are just blurry in my head now. There is like one person that is like on the same level to his right, which is like the tribe that are allowed to be like prophets and church, um, what do you call it? Like, um, like pastors and elders and basically people that are in, church as like spiritual heads right and there's another person like on the same level of like his left arm and that person is descendants of i forgot the person's name i'll find it and i'll send it to you so you probably can write it however those people are people that do god's work but do not have the titles of like pastors and priests and stuff like that and those who are creatives and businessmen and people that have started their own thing are helping towards the church. Those, that ministry is not sitting underneath the pastors or the priest or the high priest. It's actually on the same level. Mm-hmm. So technically, you're a pastor, you're a high priest, because like, you are the same level of them or, or equidistance from God, right? And then when you start seeing that, that means like you're directly connected to God and there's so much that you have to like, give out to your community or your family or someone's destiny can change just because of a decision that you make. Then you realize I have to put or allow the spirit of excellence to be evident in all that I do. Like they say that about Daniel, like it was evident in everything that he did. There wasn't a, no slacking moment. Like people run rumors about him to the king, all of that kind of stuff. His response, all of that kind of stuff is like there's a spirit of excellence that like evolves around him because he just made sure it's evident or manifested in every little thing. So like just to round it up, I just wish that creatives, especially Christian creatives, just allow that spirit of excellence to like flow through their um, ministry, you know, which is basically their work, their podcast, their events, their businesses, all of that kind of stuff. And not really think too much about what people are going to say. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the criticisms can come from your own church because mm-hmm. they don't see it. It looks like you're staring a little bit to the world. But the spirit is supposed to be one. It's not a confusing spirit. Mm-hmm. If they don't see it and what's in you is the true spirit, then they're wrong. They're the ones that are being, they've allowed themselves to be used by the devil. It doesn't make them wrong. It's just that they've just been allowed, they've just allowed themselves to be used by the devil to criticize you or to make your journey harder and all of that kind of stuff. But again, if that's been allowed to happen, then God's going to use it for his glory anyway. So we count it all in good faith. But just be, be 
uh, what's the word, be able to discern voices and, and criticism. There are good ones that you need. There are others that are not needed and you literally just need to, you know, let, let your ministry be evident. That's all I say. It's not like God is coming soon. Repent. Not, God knows everyone doesn't have that. That's what the people on the right side to say. The people on the left side, they're supposed to use their businesses and their creatives, um, creativity mm. and their gifts to do the same thing, literally to do the same thing. You know, so like I could be, I could start a service that connects, um, what's the word, like brings people together as black people or bring black people together, right? The person here is doing the same thing by opening a church that brings black people together to pray, to bring God, people closer to God. Mine is literally a more networking space that I can use to make them feel better. And then through like my lifestyle or my brand or my platform, they start believing in what I believe in, which is literally the one true God. So I, I just wish I can have that scripture. So I'll send it over to you and it will make more sense in understanding yourself first in terms of where God sees you, mm. and you will start disregarding what, where other people see you, man. honestly. Sorry, I just keep going on and on, man. I need to work on <laughs> I need media training. Frida is like a, a ah, you just... like, I need media training. I just keep talking, it's bad. No. <laughs> we want you to talk. We want people to hear from you. And honestly, like, we're really grateful that you, you've come to talk to us. We didn't, personally i knew a lot about you but what you have brought today <laughs> has blown my mind and i want us to just before we finish and round up just for us ladies even just to talk about some of the things the take takeaways that we've learned today um and it'll help to round up some of the points that you made so who wants to start okay um excellence is a spirit um we carry it by default it is inherited and um, mediocrity is a sin because you're selling the kingdom of God for cheap. Ooh. That, that one hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so many, but I think what has really touched me is um, just really focusing on, on what God has placed on your heart and not focusing on the noise around you or be it that the claps or be it that the criticisms, um, they will come either way, but you really have to decipher, you know, what to listen to. But the most important thing is to really um, have full grasp of what God has placed um, on me, upon me. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And um, I would say when you said that we are, or carefully chosen to deliver something um and whether some people may not understand it it is what it is but we know that we are here to do something and to to change like you said and even in the events that you do and the small things that decisions that you make to change other people's lives and to create opportunities for them so yeah yeah thank you how did you find it i, I didn't know what i mean there were no questions nothing so I'm thinking, okay, this could go anywhere, but because it's like Christian based, I just feel like very comfortable to speak about everything and even share details about stuff that I probably wouldn't share with other like platforms and stuff like that. So thanks for making me feel comfortable as well, you know, to 
keep talking, which I need to work on. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't okay. need to work on that. That's that's your gift. It is. It creates. It, it's. It builds the story, and I think, and it builds more relatability because a lot of these things, some people will just give you like a high level of what they went through, and but then behind the scenes, we're, we're like all the stuff that you've talked about. We felt like that. Sometimes we felt like, oh, we should do this, but uh, people have said this, so maybe let's not. And it's like then we bring it back to ourselves when it should really be about what is God trying to, what is God trying to do with us as a podcast. So, um. I think, yeah, God knows why God knows why he allowed you to speak for this long. So I apologize again. It won't happen again. No, please don't. We don't want apology for your for your wisdom. Like you're sharing a lot of and like you know, women, we love detail. We don't do quick quick stories. We like detailed stories. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. I'll write it down. I remember. <laughs> women like detail stories. We want to know every little tiny detail and you've really shared that with us and feeling really really encouraged by your story your journey um you've done amazing things not only for yourself but for a multitude of people and you know like you said you do what you do because you know that um people's destinies are tied to my runway group um and so we're thankful that you've come on and you shared more of your story more details with us and we pray that everyone who has listened to this episode has also mm. to take away um those nuggets of right. knowledge because there's a more there's so many in this in this episode so thank you so much once again kojo thank you everyone listening don't forget to follow us on instagram and twitter at preach it sis pod kojo where can we find you on social media so the platform is my runway group uh, my personal one is kojo steve austin um yeah that's that cuts across everywhere fabulous so don't forget to follow him um, and see what a I'm round of applause for yeah. Black Christian Excellence. Series. <laughs> this was a this was a fantastic um, wrap up of the series. Oh, why are you why are you wrapping up? It's for Black History Month. So yeah. Oh. But um, yeah, no, thank you so much. Genuinely, um, really, I think it was really really good session. Yeah. Really good episode. Lots of um, you know knowledge and wisdom. So yeah. Until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.